As was mentioned at the beginning of our service, uh, today we're continuing in our series called Beautiful Brokenness. And this is drawn from uh, one of the oldest books in the Old Testament, a book called Judges. And Judges is an incredible book. Basically, it's the story of six heroes of faith. Six people who overcame the odds, did something incredible, and left a measurable impact on God's people in their day. What is not to like about a story like that? Uh, Alan, where's Alan? Uh, Alan wrote this uh, series. And uh, so when I heard I was down to do a talk, I was so excited. I thought, everyone loves a great hero story. I mean, think about it. Almost all of cinema or television depends upon the story of a hero. Disney or Spielberg, they would be out of business if they could not uh, serve up for us time and time again the story of how a hero saves the day. A lovable rogue, an unlikely character who comes uh, to save the world, someone who lives happily ever after, and the world is a better place because of the great impact that they made. And stories of heroes like those in Judges are made even better when the hero has to fight against the odds. Like the girl that climbs the tree to rescue the stranded kitten. She's a hero, but how much more is she a hero if she does it with a broken arm, a headache, and dyslexia? (laughs) Overcoming all those things that are holding her back in order to still meet the need that is in front of her. So I was thinking about this, and I thought, I wonder which hero Alan has assigned to me. Could it be Deborah, the woman who prevailed against the cultural restrictions of her gender to lead an army? Or Gideon, the uh, intellectual, where God reduced the size of his army so that the victory he won would sort of give an even greater glory to God. And I think he also put a lot of Bibles into hotels as well. I think he did that later in his life, maybe when he retired. Or Samson, not the guy that makes the phones, but he was like a a poet strongman who uh, wrote poetry about killing donkeys and honey and bees, had a bit of an eye for the lady, had a bit of a a flaw, a bit of an eye for uh, an attractive girl, but in the end pulls down a building with his bare hands, killing all the baddies. Which of these would Alan give to me? He gave me Jephthah. (laughs) Hands up, who's heard about Jephthah? Okay, exactly, just the Bible nerds. (laughs) There is a reason why they gave me this one, because he's the most difficult one in the story. (laughs) So we're going to delve into the story of Jephthah today, and by the end of it, you will be a Jephthah expert. And his story unfolds in five parts. Um, And we're going to read them together in sections. So let's read the first section, and I think it will come on the screens as well. And we're in Judges chapter 11. Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also bore him sons, and when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away. You're not going to get any inheritance of our family. So they said, because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob, where a group of adventurers gathered around him 
and followed him. Right at the opening, Jephthah is presented to us as a mighty warrior. It's like the person writing the story from the very outset wants to stick this label on who he is, or even on who he is called to be, a mighty warrior. Now, today's not a discussion about the rights and wrongs of the military, and disclaimer, a lot of people die in the chapter that we're engaging with. We're not kind of getting into that today. But in his day, to be a mighty warrior would have meant that Jephthah was a great guy, someone to be proud of. Here's one definition of a warrior. A brave and courageous person who is willing to give up their own life to protect others. So not only that, he's a mighty warrior. So he's, he's good at being brave and good at giving up his life in order to help others. Through no fault of his own, Jephthah has a difficult beginning to his life. His dad is an important guy, clearly so much so that the town where they live is named after him. He's that important. And his mother was a prostitute which is really a judgment on his dad's morals. Uh, Jephthah has brothers who hate him. And we're not told the reason why they hate him. It might have been because of the shame and the embarrassment of his story. It might be just because he was different, and sometimes that's how it happens. It might be just because, as they say in the story, they, they just wanted to get his share of dad's financial inheritance when dad finally dies. Either way, Jephthah gets run out of town. Now, we don't know. Maybe his dad had just died. Maybe that was why it happened. Dad's just died, and before the spoils are divided up, they want to get rid of the kid that doesn't fit, and they want him out so they can have more. Or maybe dad's not dead, and the, and the brothers are just anticipating that date, and it's, it's a further little indication in the dysfunction of the family that dad allows this to happen and doesn't intervene with what the brothers do. Either way, of course, families can be hard. If you've got a perfect family, congratulations. Fate has delivered you a kind outcome. But actually, we don't choose our family. No one chooses their parents or their siblings. They are provided for us by circumstances beyond our choice. So this is the opening story of Jephthah's life, a difficult beginning. And it finishes with that interesting little thing at the end, that even though he's banished and driven out of the town where he lives, we read that a group of adventurers gather around him. He's still a mighty warrior. Even in difficult times, something of who God has marked him out to be is still being made true in his life. So that's the opening scene of Jephthah. The second scene begins in verse 4, and let me read that uh, to us. Sometime later, when the Ammonites made a war on Israel, the elders of Gilead went to Jephthah from the land of Tob. Come, they said, be our commander so we can fight the Ammonites. Jephthah said to them, didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? The elders of Gilead said to him, Nevertheless, we are turning to you now. Come with us, fight the Ammonites, and we will give you, uh, you will be our head over all who live in Gilead. 
Jephthah answered, Suppose you take me back to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gives them to me. Will I really be your head? The elders of Gilead said, The Lord is our witness. We will certainly do as you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him the head and commander over them, and they repeated all his words before the Lord in Mitzpah. So you can see what's happening. The situation changes sometime later. War is brewing in the community, and they need a mighty warrior. You can sort of picture the guy that Jephthah is, can't you? He's, he's obviously like a tough, strong guy. Like, maybe like the kind of guy you see at the gym, you know, with a thick neck, listing the big heavy weights. Or maybe he's just like tall and athletic and sort of sporty in a sort of deadly way, you know. He's uh, perhaps not an intellectual, I think the story tells us. Maybe he's not an artist who spends his evenings listening to classical music. He is the tough and brave kind of guy. Uh, I've got a friend of mine who's uh, a really strong sort of practical person, kind of guy who could fix anything, make anything physical or uh, like that happen. And uh, I'd just been watching a sci-fi show, and, it, and in this show, um, it was a story where all electricity stops working. So suddenly the world is totally different. Hi, Ben. Uh, because uh, electricity uh, has stopped working. And so... Anyone who's, like, good with computers, irrelevant, okay? Anyone that, you know, drive a car, it's irrelevant. Electricity has stopped working. The whole of the world shifts around. And in this story, suddenly the new people who are important are those who are strong and practical. And I said to my friend, hey, you know what? If you were in this sci-fi story and electricity stopped working, you'd be king. I'd come around to your house and I'd be like, I will work for you, king, because you are strong and tough, and you would suddenly be in charge. It's that kind of stories unfolding. Something's happened in the situation, in the community. Things have changed, and Jephthah is the man for the moment. The elders of the town, they know he's a guy that doesn't give up. It's a kind of cometh the hour, cometh the man type moment. There's an English proverb that says, opportunity maketh the man. So this could be like Jephthah's moment. This could be his time to re-enter the stage and to recover what's been taken from him, what's been lost to get his status back. It almost feels like this story could be the redemption of his life, the kind of full repairing and restoring of everything that was taken from him being brought back through this new path. He was the guy who was despised and rejected, and now he's potentially going to be the person who's accepted and wanted. Okay, we're going to pause here, because I want you to do some discussion at your table. Let's pause where this story is. You've heard his beginning, you've heard this opportunity that's come for Jephthah, and I want you to imagine that we are now Jephthah's advisors yeah so maybe you're like one of his adventurous friends that's gathered around him and you know him really well or maybe you're a brother and one of the brothers that like actually loved him all along and you care deeply for him maybe you're a a wise counselor or an impartial 
guide. I kind of almost want you in your imagination to insert you, insert yourself into the story at this point. And the question I want you to think about is, how are you going to speak into his story? Heads up, it's going to get bad, okay? It's a broken story. what, What would you be saying to this guy if you loved and cared for him? If you knew his broken story, you knew how it had affected him and how it changed his personality and the way he behaved, if you knew all that, what would you want to say to him? What would you advise him to do? How would you offer your help so that his story could be a good one? He's a deeply broken man. Life is not going to be all fine and okay just because he gets this job offer. There's more that needs to be done in his soul to change this story around. So anything's up for grabs. You can rewrite this biblical story, okay? You can change the circumstances. You can say, this is what's going to happen next. You can use your imagination. You can wade in with all the discipleship wisdom that you've got. Maybe you've got some professional training, you know, like, oh, if he was referred to me, here's the things we'd be saying. Anything's up for grabs. Take notes, because I want to get feedback from you in five minutes. I want to see how much wisdom there is in the room. So over to you at your tables to chat about what you would do for Jephthah. What a collection of advice. Well, let's pick up the story. The next section is quite long, and I want to just summarize it for you. But Jephthah says yes. He says, I'll... I'll be in charge. I'll, I'll lead the army into battle. And he starts uh, a discussion with the king of the, of the uh, uh, Ammonites. And um, in the long discourse, the backwards and forwards, uh, as he talks to the king, it's as if um, a, a template of a way of thinking repeats several times. And it goes something like this, his argument. Some innocent people are trying to do the right thing. Uh, other people are doing wrong and trying to hurt them. So the innocent people have to have a fight. Uh, They ask God for help. And if they win, that's proof that God was on their side and loved them. And it's as if, as you read that section, he says that several times to them. He's doing it, of course, to partly explain the story of his people over several hundred years, how they came to be living where they were. Uh, did, you know, did they go in and pick a fight? Well, no, they sort of tried to do the right thing, but things came up and they ended up having to fight people. And it was kind of their way of thinking that because they won, that's evidence that God was on our side. But you can almost, as you read it, hear him pouring his own story out through the way he sees the world. Because that's his story as well. An innocent guy, wrong is done to him. Uh, He has to fight. He calls out to God. And if you win, it's proof that God did love you after all. And he was on your side. And he sort of ends up in this almost trial by combat theology of how he thinks about God. This is how you know that God loves you. And that's kind of how we are if we get broken. We get like a broken tape playing in our head. And we can almost relive how we felt as something happened to us 
time and time again through other situations in our life. And we can end up projecting it on the world and almost saying, yeah, that's how the world works because that's our experience. And the most dangerous part of that is, of course, we then fit God into that story. We say, and this then is how God is. Well, he goes off to battle, and verse 29 says, the spirit of the Lord was on him, which is really interesting. Even in, even in the difficult times, even when things are maybe not exactly as they should have been, uh, it's as if God is with him. And then he ends up making this strange vow. He makes a vow to God, and he says to God, God, if you do this, I will do this. God, if you deliver the army into my hands, I will do something for you. The vow he actually makes is this. God, if you let me win this battle with this army, then when I come home, whatever comes out of my house first, I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Now, before we ever get get into the detail of that, has anyone here ever done that? Has anyone here... (laughs) Not that. But has anyone here ever said to God, God, if you do this, I'll do this? Has anyone done that? God, if you help me get this job, I'll go to church, even when it's really sunny and I'd rather be at the beach. If God, if you sort this bit of my life out, I will pray more regularly. Has anyone here done that kind of bargain with God? We have a few honest people in the room. <laughs> it's a common thing that we often do. And this is what Jephthah does. He says, if, if I win, I will sacrifice whatever I see coming out of my door. And it's an incredibly foolish vow that he makes. Have you ever seen a broken person make a bad decision? This is what he's doing. He's a guy that's got a broken story, and he makes a bad, a rash decision, born out of all the brokenness of how he thinks God wants to deal with him. And, of course, he wins the battle, he returns home, and the first thing that comes out of his house as he returns is his daughter, his only daughter. And he's vowed to God, I will offer whatever comes out of my house as a burnt offering. Now, can I just lighten the moment for a minute? I have two daughters, And never in my life have I ever returned from home to find one of my daughters skipping out of my front door with a tambourine, singing a song of praise to the work that dad has done that day. You know, my my father writes many emails, praise God, you know. He, He types faster than any man. His phone calls are the envy of many. Junk mail stoppeth him not. Time wasters, he slays without mercy. Tra-la-la, tra-la-la, you know. I've got two daughters who've lived at home many years. Never yet has one of them done that for me. But this incredible insight into his family, even this broken, dysfunctional guy, he's clearly got a daughter who adores him, who wants to welcome her dad back from this battle where he might have died, singing a song and playing a tambourine. And on face value, this is how the story plays out. Jephthah will have to kill and sacrifice his daughter because he made 
a vow to God. I mean, aside from safeguarding and the police, things were different in their day. But this is also a counsellor's field day. Was there something about his state of mind that drove him to make that vow? That somewhere in his heart he felt like my redemption will have to cost someone something? Or was it that he felt in order for me to be accepted and restored, someone else will have to be rejected and looked down on? Did he feel like he had to buy or sort of almost purchase God's favor to be put right? Now, there is discussion around the people who comment on this story that maybe one of two things happened. Option one was he promised to sacrifice her, so that's what he did. He would have killed her and burnt her as an offering to God. This is thousands of years ago. It's a different culture, but that's what he did. Or option two was what he sacrificed was her ability to get married. And it talks about that in the story. And his daughter says to him, can I have two months to go and lament with my friends and then you can do what you promised to God. And some people think maybe that was her story. Maybe she got two months of sort of wild living and then she came back and then she was never allowed to get married. You can read the text and work out which you think is more likely. But either either way, we see that here is a man who won his battle, but he lost everything. Well, there's a bit of an epilogue, and I'll come back in a minute and complete the story. But I would love us to engage with Jephthah, because I think there's a bit of Jephthah in all of us. There's a bit of a broken story in all of us that we project onto how we deal with other people, how we see the world, and even our view of how God works in our lives. I wonder if as you were talking, as we've been thinking about this Bible passage, some things come to mind. And in a minute, I'll tell you an example from my own life. Um, It's almost as if um, uh, little things that happen to us can become part of our story and we live them out in the way we deal with others like a like a broken tape in our head or in our heart that can replay over and over again you can see it shouting out as you read Jephthah's story how the harm that was done to him becomes the way he lives his life and actually how he also hurts and harms other people Liz is going to come and just uh, lead us in that uh, thinking for a few minutes.